The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the U.S. and around the world. Our services are offered at over 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Well, today with the existence of more than 600 million Facebook profiles, 200 million Twitter users, 100 million LinkedIn professionals, you can't deny the power of spreading a message through online social networks. This fact certainly uh, rings uh, as true in uh, the healthcare communities as it does in the world of business and, and advertising. Uh, earlier this year, Cure Today magazine went so far as to say that in the realm of cancer support, Social media websites are no less revolutionary than, say, x-rays were for medical imaging. The new technology has changed everything. Certainly, the cancer support community has known this for many years. In fact, when we launched our uh, online community in 2002, um, more than 10 years ago, we recognized the need for emotional and social support in a platform that was accessible to all people impacted by cancer, really regardless of of location. And uh, we certainly pioneered some of this work in new technologies. And we've continued to adapt with the times and technologies. And today uh, uh, we find CSC connecting with people in ways we couldn't have imagined 10 years ago from awareness, education, fundraising, support. Social media has uh, changed not only the way we do business, but the ways in which we connect with others and really the ways in which we provide support to those who are touched by cancer. So today we're going to discuss the growing use of social media and new technologies to support people impacted by a cancer diagnosis, the many different ways that people can connect, the benefits, and really also some of the drawbacks. Um, And as we get into this really interesting topic, I want to introduce our two guests for today. I'm pleased to welcome Karen Diamond on today's show. Karen was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in May of 2009. Since that time, she has documented her life experiences with cancer and beyond through her popular blog, Eyes Peeled Always. Thanks for being here, Karen. Thank you for having me. We're also joined by Heidi Adams, a 10-year Ewing sarcoma survivor and senior director of engagement at, at Livestrong. And as many of you know, Livestrong is a brand of the Lance Armstrong Foundation, an organization created to serve people living with cancer and empower communities to take action. With more than 1.5 million combined Twitter and Facebook followers, Livestrong is revolutionizing the way social media is used to engage with cancer survivors, caregivers, and advocates. Welcome, Heidi. Hi, Kim. Thanks for having me. Well, ladies, we've got a lot of ground to cover on the show today, so let's get started. I'm going to start with you, um, Heidi. Certainly, 
you know, your cancer journey began before applications like Facebook, Twitter, blogs were uh, were mainstream. So you've kind of lived through this revolution. Um, do you see a, a difference in the support that people can access today just by being in that online environment? Oh, it's it's totally different from from the days when I was diagnosed. Which actually, I was diagnosed in the early '90s, and and I compare my experience um, as a 26 year old. Um, to the experience that someone would have today, I think it just it, it broadens the the pool of resources and the communities of support that you can access. It gives you much more choice and much more flexibility. I mean, when I when I was diagnosed, I remember the support opportunities that were available to me were at the hospital, and it was really just you know at the on the hospital schedule and when the support group is scheduled, and and you know what the topics were were. That was what we were going to talk about. And and nowadays, I think, you know, it's much more flexible, and people can still benefit from those types of face-to-face support groups. You, you can't replace that. But I think there's some unique benefits of online support. There's just there's 24-7 access. You know, when you wake mm-hmm. up at 2 a.m. with the heebie-jeebies, you can find someone who's, who's out there and who's willing to talk to you. Um, there's a larger pool of people. You can be anonymous if you want to be anonymous. It's a lot easier to do that online than someone, you know, sitting across the room from you. So I think it's just, it's really changed the way that support can be delivered and received. I don't think it's replaced anything, but I think Mm -hmm. it's just broadened um, the ways and the channels in which you can get support. So it's just adding to that. It's enhancing, really, that opportunity. Exactly, and it makes it much more um, patient-centric, honestly, where the person who's, you know, the the patient can actually dictate what they want, when they want, and what they want to share with whom. It's not, you know, confined to this arbitrary space of time um, and place. It really is much um, much more around the patient and their own personal preferences. Well, no, Heidi, I think what you're saying really rings true for, for, for so many people. And I, I, uh, I recently read that you have more than 3,000 followers um, on Twitter, which is, which is so cool. What are you tweeting about? What, what, are, what do you typically post about? Give us some idea of the sense of topics and, and, and why do you think folks are drawn to uh, what you're putting out there? <laughs> um, sometimes I wonder, Kim. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, be your own PR person here. <laughs> I, think, I mean, I think you know, I I I love Twitter because it lets people. It really can give you a sense of the person behind um, the handle, you know. And so for me, I post things about my kids. I'll post a joke, but I post obviously a lot about cancer and a lot about my work. I post things on my particular interest of young adults. I think I have a, probably have a lot of followers in the realm of young adults. That's, that's one of my specific areas of interest. And then of advocacy, different initiatives that we're taking on here at the foundation. But I always try to put my own sort of spin on it or comment uh, to make so people know that it's me and there's a real person. It's not just some sort of autobot out there putting things out. But yeah. um, I, And I think that's, you know, I think that's the beauty of Twitter. Yeah, the human side of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, Karen, let me pull you into the conversation here. Karen, you're quite a gifted writer and you've chosen to blog about your experience with cancer. Can you tell us what prompted you to start the blog and, and, and tell us a little bit about it and, and how it's evolved since you launched it? Sure. Um, I, I actually started the blog in 2009, about a month before cancer was 
anywhere in the realm of my world. Um, I was 26 years old, active, healthy, completely, and I've always been a writer. And I thought, eh, I'd give it a shot. Why don't I start up a blog? Just thinking I was going to write about funny things that happened in my life. Um, and then two blog entries in, um, I, I landed in the emergency room and um, ended up getting a biopsy, and it was discovered that I had a stage 4B Hodgkin lymphoma. So actually, my third blog entry is it starts something like, well, I guess I've, I've found my muse of what I'm going to be writing about. I didn't know that people would be interested in, in my life, but now here we have this, this great adventure and, and cancer journey um, coming up ahead. So since then, I've been writing it for three years. Um, I try to write at least weekly, if, if not more frequently, um, and I've been just completely um, humbled by the response that I've, I've gotten with writing this. Um, I've grown to about half a million hits since it started, and I average wow. about 400 views per day, which was just completely shocking. Um, and it's been something that's been both very practical as well as therapeutic for me. Um, it fills a lot of different needs for someone going through this to be able to keep people up to speed with what I'm going through. You know, it's been three years of all different types of treatments and clinical yeah. trials and, and all of this. So it's helped to connect me with my family and friends as well as um, perfect strangers who might be themselves going through something similar or know someone going through something similar. And so Karen, let me, so, so take us back for, for, for a minute. We've got a couple minutes till our break here, but can you tell us a little bit more about what led you to the emergency room and, and, and kind of what, you know, kind of that, that period of diagnosis for you and what that was like? Yeah, I was um, a lot very fatigued, not really quite feeling myself, um, and I started to find these different lumps that were popping up. The first one I found in my left underarm, and then I felt a, a large one on my collarbone, and they started really creeping up significantly on my neck, and I, I didn't know what these were. Um, went into my regular doctor. They thought I had some type of infection. Um, I was young. No one was thinking cancer. I yeah. certainly was not. Um, and so we tried a different few sets of antibiotics. Nothing was really helping. I was having some night sweats as well. Um, and then I, I landed in the emergency room because the, my lymph nodes in my neck were so swollen that I, I couldn't even turn it. And we thought meningitis or something along those lines. Um, but it was there that they did a, a CAT scan and saw there were many internal lymph nodes as well, um, wanted to do a biopsy, and then things progressed from there. And because I was at such an advanced stage, you really jumped into treatment very quickly, um, and, and Hodgkin lymphoma suddenly became a very uh, familiar term to me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, quickly jumped into it, and, and I've been going um, on and off on treatment ever since. So how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 26 at 26. the time. Wow, yeah. both, both of you very young. Um, and Heidi, before we get to the break here, I know that uh, Livestrong is obviously leading the way in in in, uh, in the use of social media to reach a wide audience. Um, uh, how how has your outreach, the organization's outreach through social media, sort of evolved over time? Um, it it really was just something that we tried out back in I think around '08, and we knew that it would be an important tool and and have just realized over the years how powerful it can be, mostly for amplification and for outreach. And now it's just a solid part of our of our overall plan and a way to really mobilize and, and build this community and take people you know, from online to offline action, I think, is always the key. But it's, it's grown organically, and, and we evolve, and our youth evolves with the tools. And what do you mean when you say amplification, Heidi? 
It's a great way, for example, to to make more people aware of our initiatives and our activities. Mm-hmm. Our navigation services, for example, um, we can broadcast that out to um, through our leadership. Lance has three million followers on Twitter. If he posts a post about our navigation services, perhaps some new service that we offer, mm-hmm. a lot of people hear about that and a lot of people share that message. And before social media, you know, it would have been very challenging to have that sort of amplification. Right, right, right. This is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking today about in many ways the cancer community, how we're uh, utilizing social media tools, blogging, tweeting, posting, um, to get the message out, uh, as Heidi's saying, about the many cancer resources that are out there to share personal stories like Karen's story, to um, uh, inspire others, to motivate others, and uh, to to get folks connected to one another. We're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to be right back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices. I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. 
Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Azi and Morphotech. I'm Kim Thibaldo, and today I'm joined by Karen Diamond, a cancer survivor, popular blogger, and also Heidi Adams, a cancer survivor and senior director of engagement at Livestrong. Today we're talking about the role of social media and new technologies in providing support to people affected by cancer. In this segment, I'm hoping our guests can talk a little bit about how social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, blogging, can offer both practical and uh, also therapeutic benefits to people seeking support, whether it's uh, for themselves or perhaps for uh, for a loved one dealing with cancer. Um, Karen, you created your blog, Eyes Peeled Always, just before you were, di- you were diagnosed with cancer three years ago, and um, it really became a venue for you to talk about uh, and share about your cancer experience. So how has kind of maintaining this blog been helpful to you as you've been kind of walking through this cancer experience? I think the biggest thing has been that it's helped with my perspective through all of this. Um, It's helped me to find something that's larger than myself Um, because oftentimes going through a cancer journey of any kind, it can be very isolating um, and it can seem like this is the only thing going on in the world. You can get very wrapped up in what can be some very scary moments um, during cancer treatment, but this helps me to have the perspective kind of as an outsider um, going through everything as a writer. I mean, I often joke um, with my, my husband and family that the blog just really writes itself very often because there's just so many comical, absurd, difficult moments that you go through while going through cancer treatment that, you know, I, I go through these difficult times and think, oh, man, that's going to make a great blog entry. I can't wait to write about this, you know, rather than being very upset by something that could otherwise really, you know, send you into a funk. But it's kind of allowed me to laugh about it and think, oh, how will I craft this as a little story that I can post on my blog? Um, You know, for example, I was going through radiation treatment and the very specific body mold that was created for me just disappeared the day before my last treatment and could not be found anywhere. So it's, you know, little stories like that that allow me to kind of just laugh and and think, how can I formulate this as a writer? And then to get the feedback from other patients out there um, really helped me to keep going, you know, and it, it provides a chronicle for myself to look back and see, wow, I can't believe I've, I went through that. I've, I've had two autologous stem cell transplants now, and then most recently a, a donor stem cell transplant where my sister um, gave me basically a whole new immune system. And to go through both those processes was, you know, lots of ups and downs. And now I can look back and I have this wonderful chronicle of what I've been through. So, so the, let's talk for a minute about the the so the connection that it's created with others. I mean, are, is the blog kind of connecting you with people who are going through a similar experience? I mean, we, we certainly know at the cancer support community how important, helpful, therapeutic it is to connect with others who are going through a similar experience. And, you know, we hear folks all the time say, you know, I have a, I have a wonderful family, I have wonderful friends, but, but um, it, you know, it, it really took connecting with other people who are going through cancer really understand what I was going through. Is that, are, are you finding those connections happening through the blog? Oh, yes, that's absolutely true. Um, through my blog and through others' blogs that I follow um, from the very, very beginning, that's what I found to be most helpful is reading 
other people's journeys and following along with them and then connecting, you know, via email or, or phone conversations or, you know, even meeting in person. I have um, one of my closest friends now is a fellow Hodgkin lymphoma survivor. He lives out in the West Coast in L.A., you know, someone I would never cross paths with in my normal treatment here on the West, on the East Coast. Um, but we've become great supports for each other. He's followed me during some of the journey, and then I relapsed, and then I was following him and going back and forth about sharing tips of how to get through treatment, finding out about different clinical trials available. Um, It's really just invaluable resource to be able to have someone to bounce ideas off of and someone that's going through the same thing as you. Um, like you said, my I as well have a wonderfully supportive family and great network of friends, but there is something very unique and different about talking with someone who's going through the same thing. They know what it feels like to walk around with a port in their chest and to have someone not be able to find a vein to draw blood or to feel sick from the chemotherapy. And you can kind of gripe with them and not feel like you're putting someone in an awkward position yeah. because there's yeah. someone who gets it. You know, so it creates that empathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to say something, Kim. I think you know, support at the end of the day, people want to find someone like themselves. All I wanted to do was, you know, like Karen, I wanted to find another 26-year-old who got what I was going through. And I think that online and social media makes that so much easier now, especially if you have, you know, a rare diagnosis or um, a circumstance that's sort of out of the ordinary. It just makes it so much easier to find someone like you. And at the end of the day, you know, that's what we all want. Yeah, And you can yeah. really tailor the information that you find as well, just to, to add on to what Heidi's saying. You know, there's it can be overwhelming sometimes how much information you can find out there in these social media outlets, but yeah. there's so many targeted forms as well. For In my specific case, I'm a refractory Hodgkin lymphoma patient, and so there's Facebook groups that are just people in my specific situation that have had stem cell transplants. So it's you can find these people from all around the world that are really going through the very same thing you're going through. And that wouldn't have been something that you would be capable of finding before these social media outlets. So, um, Heidi, let me ask you this. I know that, um, so you guys were both very young when you were diagnosed. You're still both very young. Um, do you find that this is, uh, you know, a, a, a vehicle that's, that is, you know, we, we certainly know that younger people connect, connect, just connect socially on a day-to-day basis through these social media channels. Are you finding it's the same with people with cancer, that it's younger people who are using these channels to connect, or do you find a broad range of demographic? I think that a broad range of people connect on Facebook. I think young people were, were the, you know, the early adopters for sure. And I think that maybe young people connect in more places. Mm-hmm. But I think that as a tool, um, just our, our society in general is much more, it's much more ingrained in our society overall. And, and, you know, there's a large number of, um, you know, more mature audiences on Facebook, for example. Um, and I think that it, that only that's only going to grow as it becomes more socially accepted, more e- as easier. Um, and, and then again, you know, sometimes I think elderly people, patients in particular, can access these things through their younger relatives, and they can find people like themselves who maybe can't get out. You know, it's more of a challenge to get out, and and I think that that's growing. So, um, 
so we, we talked about kind of the positive pieces of this for a minute. Let's talk for for uh, about the risks for for just a few minutes until we go to our break. Um, uh, you know, Heidi, with so many people involved in the conversation, there also becomes a real potential for misinformation um, mm-hmm. to be shared. And there, are, I, th- I imagine some folks who think, "Oh, well, I read it." You know, I read it online, it must be true, or, you know, I read it from X source, it must be true. Um, do you guys have at Livestrong policies in place to protect against this, or how, how do you kind of monitor the conversation so that you can do your best to kind of stem against the, you know, kind of misinformation or myths, you know, or misconceptions that can get out there? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that definitely happens. I think um, we have a dedicated staff person who oversees all of our online communities and interaction. I think another key point about online communities is that in many, many cases, the community is, is very protective of itself. And mm. so when there are things that are blatantly false or untrue, you know, the community reacts to them almost, in many cases, quicker than we can. But we do keep yeah. an eye out for those and use them. We try to use them as education moments. If someone is posting something that's not true or that's negative, we can leave it up there and use that as an opportunity to say, you know, perhaps, you know, that, that that's not true, and here's the credible resource that refutes whatever it is that you said. And, by the way, if you want accurate information about health or if you'd like support resources, here's a place you can go. So we can redirect it so people, other people who may have heard this you know, misinformation somewhere else can see that. We don't take it down necessarily, but they can see it and go, oh, now I you know, know another place to go for information, or now I see why that is not true. Um, we can have credible medical voices respond to certain pieces of information. Um, but I think, you know, that that's always going to be out there, and, and that's definitely a risk that you run. But constructive discourse is good, and as long as people keep it respectful, um, you know, then we use it as an opportunity for conversation. No, I think that's good. I think that's good feedback. Um, Karen, do you... Um, obviously, you know, with what you're doing, you have a responsibility as well. Do you have folks, you know, maybe asking complicated medical questions or maybe, you know, commenting on your blog where you're sort of not comfortable with the response? I mean, how are you as a, you know, now a known blogger sort of managing that responsibility? Um, I think what but Heidi brings up a good point that people are in these communities are very um, responsible and understanding of where they can find information that's pertinent to what they're looking for. So I, when people contact me, I don't, they don't look to me as a medical expert. They mm-hmm. usually are contacting me with questions about how did you handle your mother-in-law, you know, being very um, possessive about your care or how do you handle it when people tell you, you should go to this doctor, that doctor, this, or, you know, more kind of the social aspect of things about how I relate to regular life that still goes on while you're going through cancer treatment. You know, how do you manage that? How do you explain to people why you have no hair? You know, how do you, how do you deal when a young child sees you in the mall and says, Mommy, you know, why does that woman not have any hair? Or, you know, just these types of things that come up um, are more yeah. the questions that I get rather than the, the medical questions. Or they'll ask me for references of what doctors I've worked with or have I tried this certain drug and they're more looking for my specific experience from a person who's gone through it than um, from a medical expert perspective. 
And obviously, in that regard, then you are the expert, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess so. Um, it's, it's funny to think that, but um, and I'm always I always point people to websites like Live Strong, um, as well as the cancer support community or um, other young adults um, right. support websites as well, just to kind of show them where I've found my information and right. and just sharing those resources. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's that's great advice. I think great feedback on. You know, this is a community that I think does self-police <laughs> and self-monitor yeah. uh, a little bit. So I think that's probably, a, you know, a healthy process that's happening as, as this interaction is taking place. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking about the use of online uh, uh, online resources, social media, and connecting folks uh, uh, with cancer with one another. We're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to be right back. Don't go away. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices. I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by... Genentech and Celgene. I'm Kim Tebalda from the Cancer Support Community. Today I'm joined by Karen Diamond, a cancer survivor and blogger, and Heidi Adams, also a cancer survivor and 
Senior Director of Engagement at, at Livestrong. We're talking about the role of social media and new technologies in providing support uh, uh, to people affected by cancer. And, and um, uh, one of the things we're sort of emphasizing is this idea that this is this is this is social media. This is an interactive. These are interactive tools where there is a real dialogue. Happening. A back and forth happening, um, uh, just as if we were sitting in a room together or having a having a dinner and talking about an issue. There's there's going to be debate. There's going to be back and forth. I'm going to share my opinion from my perspective. You're going to share your opinion from your perspective, and and uh, and that's the, the you know the social piece that, that that's happening. We're really creating community, creating dialogue, creating debate uh, through community, and creating this wonderful back and forth uh, that's happening. That that um, hopefully is enriching. Uh, to those who are impacted by cancer as they connect um, uh, into these communities. Um, we certainly know that in the past few years with the advent of mobile applications and smart- smartphones, people are, are, are able to accomplish more than, than ever on the go. Um, you know, people can manage finances, record their TV program, um, uh, you know, video chat using their cell phones and, and uh uh, you know, equal advances are being made in the availability of mobile social and emotional support for people uh, affected by cancer. I want to talk to our guests about the ability to connect, how the, the ability really to connect in real time is changing the ways that, that, that uh, organizations like Cancer Support Community and Livestrong are able to provide uh, support for people dealing with a cancer um, diagnosis. Uh, Heidi, you know, once it became a possibility to use social media from your phone, um, did it change the way that you personally participate in conversations through 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 Facebook and Twitter? Has it has it changed the way that that Livestrong interacts with its followers? <laughs> well, it definitely made everything more constant, and uh, I had to. Once it became sort of really easy to use on his cell phone, I certainly had to have firm conversations with myself about boundaries, um, but you know, at the risk of uh, alienating my family. But I think, you know, on the flip side of that, it does just bring in a whole new real-time aspect of interaction and something that you know people can can respond in the moment to something that's happening to them again that factor of you know support when you need it um i think it hasn't really changed so much the way livestrong interacts with the followers except just having to be more constant and you can't sort of leave things for long periods of time you do kind of have to maintain a consistent state of of monitoring just so that you don't miss something um but then you also have to balance that with sort of realistic factors of just you know people need to sleep. <laughs> so, but it's but it's an interesting issue that you're raising, Heidi. I mean, for you personally, in particular, so you're a cancer survivor, and that's a you know a personal experience mm-hmm. that you've had. You're working in the cancer space mm-hmm. um, full time, and and so you know where does the work piece begin or end, and where does the personal piece of your own personal cancer experience begin or end, and where does nothing to do with cancer begin and end. I mean, it's a, you know, how do you start to define that for yourself? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And it's something, and, you know, the answer I would say probably has evolved over time just as as my own life has evolved. And and I think, you know, nowadays I have two kids and, and I do have to carve out that space away from um, the cancer world and to have that time for myself and my family just to recharge, to bring that energy back into my work. Work and and my interactions 
um, in in the cancer community. But you know, I think it it keeps me connected. The social piece of it does keep me connected to the experience and to the people in a way that's so much more authentic than than I would be connected otherwise. And that to me is just is invaluable, and it's something that I wouldn't give up. Yeah, it's so it's interesting. I mean, I'm I'm not a cancer survivor myself, but I've been working in the field for about 15 years, and I find that when I'm home with my my family or dinner parties or wherever, everybody always wants to ask you about you know about cancer. About oh, I just I saw this study on the TV today about this or that or the other. How wait, can you Kim? How often am I supposed to get a mammogram? And get, <laughs> and you know, it really you know kind of it does kind of you know those those boundaries do get a little bit uh, you know a little bit fuzzy in this day and age when there is so much out there. Um, uh, uh, through the media. Um, uh, Karen, you are, am I right? You're still, um, you are still currently in treatment for cancer. Yes. Yes. And so are, you know, so are, is there social media that you're using to kind of manage that, that treatment experience? Uh, uh, you know, are there apps and things that you're using to manage your care, whether it's kind of medical management or emotional management? I certainly use uh, Facebook and Twitter all the time. I follow um, many doctors, um, many lymphoma researchers, uh, different cancer organizations um, who are constantly posting interesting articles that I'll save for when I spend so much time in waiting rooms, as any cancer patient can relate to. You spend a lot of time you know, waiting to see the doctor and things, so it's a great time to um, you know, read about the newest technological advancements, newest um, scientific advancements that are going on. And then I can go in and bring those up with my doctor and say, hey, did you hear about this study they're doing down at MD Anderson? Is that something that we might be able to try? Um, And just really having that open dialogue. And Mm -hmm. then emotionally, I also, I use apps like MapMyRun just to track I'm certainly not running yet. I'm building up to that, but just to track um, how far I can walk each day and be able to look at my progress and and see that I was able to do a mile that day and just kind of um, have that tracking mechanism to look back on my accomplishments. And then also um, I'm often looking up different guided meditations to help uh, with sleep, especially at times when I've been in the hospital and it can be very restless trying to get some sleep. But if I can have my iPhone next to me with my earbuds in and and find a guided meditation that can kind of relax me and and get me to that place of peace in a very um, chaotic situation, I find it to be very helpful. And then also, as you were were both speaking about, just that real-time response time with others out there, especially in some of these Facebook groups that are very active. If I pose a question there asking, you know, did anyone try this new drug, SGM35? It'll be a matter of 10 minutes before someone jumps in and responds, yes, my husband was on that. He had these side effects, this side effect. Make sure to ask your doctor about this. And it's just tremendously helpful to have that resource there in in such real time because sometimes you have to make pretty quick decisions um, and you want to get all the information that you can in a timely manner. So it's tremendously helpful. And I, I understand, Karen, you've also used the Cancer Support Community app to track some of your social, emotional issues and things like that? I have. Um, I used it a lot this past summer as I was leading into my um, allogeneic donor stem cell transplant. I was on a very new um, phase one, two clinical trial in Texas. So mm-hmm. it was really me along with my doctors figuring out what the side effects were of this new treatment if the dosage was too high or too low or if I was tolerating it well. So 
using um, your mobile app was very beneficial because I could look back and see what the trends were. And then I would see my doctor weekly and could say, you know, I was starting to get a lot of fatigue two weeks in, or um, I started to get some fevers this time around and just be able to track how I was feeling both emotionally and physically and be able to have that reference to kind of keep things organized because it's have you seen very easy to lose track. Have you seen anybody using apps to, for clinical trials? It's interesting what you're saying, to, to track, for folks to track as they're participating in a clinical trial. Have you seen any apps for that? I have not come across that, um, but it would be something that if it's not already out there, um, it would certainly make sense to be in development um, because there's so much research to be done. And then, of course, the doctors who are doing this research are always looking for feedback um, from patients like myself who are, have a very um, unique strain of a disease and trying to figure out how these new targeted treatments you know, can go after that without, with minimal toxicity. So it's a very... Um, very exciting to be a part of that, those developments, right. and, and that right. would be a, a great way to be able to um, give some tangible feedback to these researchers. Well, Heidi, I think with Karen, I think Cancer Support Community and Livestrong have found our next project. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm sure there's someone listening today who wants to fund our new app to, to track yeah. symptoms, side effects, and emotional issues through clinical trials. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I do. I do, too. I think it's a great idea. Uh, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking today uh, with our two wonderful guests about the use of uh, social media in providing information, education, support, community connection for people who are facing a cancer diagnosis and, and uh, for their family and, and loved ones as well. Um, we're just going to take a quick break here. Don't go away. We will be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. 
created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This is Kim Tibaldo with Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Before the break, we were talking about uh, uh, the use of apps and monitoring medical information, emotional information. I just want to mention that the Cancer Support Community uh, has an app called Cancer Support Source designed to to help to track your uh, emotional issues, record your thoughts, your questions in a, in a personal journal, monitor your concerns over time, and, and really look for some of those trends, um, and also access information um, and also a community support network. You can uh, uh, download the app at cancersupportcommunity.org. It's for uh, iPhone and iPad uh, Touch, so we hope folks will, um, iPod Touch, we hope folks will, will take a look at that and, and uh, track that, and we certainly appreciate Karen's feedback on that. Um, our, uh, our episode today is being brought to you in part by Genentech and Celgene, and it was through support from uh, Genentech that we were able to design and launch uh, our, our mobile app, Cancer Support Source, and uh, we're certainly grateful for that support. Um, in our final segment here, we have Karen Diamond, cancer survivor and blogger, and Heidi Adams, a cancer survivor and senior director of engagement at Livestrong. We're talking about the role of social media, new technologies, and providing support people affected by cancer. In our last segment here, uh, we have a few minutes left together. I'd like to talk about the future of social and emotional support for people impacted by cancer, the future of, of social media. Um, Heidi, where do you see the future of, of, of this heading? Do you think social media will continue exp- to expand the ways that organizations like Livestrong, like Cancer Support Community, are able to provide support uh, and resources? Do you, do you think it could, it could, could uh, overtake um, or, or uh, displace the face-to-face support that many groups provide? I think, I mean, I think it will definitely continue to expand the ways that organizations like ours support patients. And I think that's only limited by our imaginations and, and the new tools that, that come on board and how we can, can use them to the benefit of patients. I don't think though that it, anything will ever take the place of face-to-face support. Yeah. I think, as we mentioned at the you know beginning of the show, I think it's really just expanding the opportunities. You know, it's really, it's hard to replace a hug, you know. It's, yeah. it's hard to replace that, you know, having lunch with someone and pouring your heart out to them across the table to a friend, you know. And yeah. I think it's just there's, there's, different circumstances that require different sort of support and different sort of response. And I think this is just, this is one great tool in the toolbox. And like I said, as the tools develop and, and organizations like ours put our imaginations to it, it'll, we'll figure out ways that they can benefit the patients even more in the future. And I, you know, I agree with you, Heidi. And I also think that, that, um, we're expanding what we offer to more people who might want to connect through this, you know, through this medium. Or, I mean, you know, we certainly hear people who say, gosh, I would never walk through the door 
of a face-to-face support mm-hmm. program, but the fact that I can access it online, the fact that I can be a little more anonymous, and, and certainly I think you know that our, our research, you know, we do support groups, uh, you know, professionally-led support groups online, real-time support groups, and, you know, we found through, 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 that, through our research with UCSF and Stanford that people in those online groups really derive a very similar benefit as people in face-to-face groups, and, and um, so if we're able to reach people with that support who may have never taken advantage of, of support otherwise or may never have accessed it. I think we're, we're really using this medium to reach a whole new level of folks who might not have taken advantage of the, the support otherwise. Heidi, do you I agree I totally agree. And I think also, you know, another great, great, I mean, what you said just makes a great point is that online support a lot of times allows people to dip their toe in the water. Yeah. And if people can can build relationships online and they know someone already, like you never, it's so awkward to walk into a room where you don't know anyone else and you're going yeah. to be talking about really private personal things. Whereas if you've made a connection ahead of time online, then you know them and you know who they are and you're not walking into a room full of strangers anymore. Right. Even if it's you know the facilitator or you connected with one other person who will go with you to a in-person support group, I think um, online can be a great channel to getting people to um, an offline um, support community. So I think, it's again, it's just it's just... Um, adding to the experience, and it's just creating yeah. another channel. And giving people the choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think what um, we're going to find also is that as as the technology develops, there will be maybe not so much in the realm of support, but I think the tools to better to allow patients to have a better experience, you know, there's going to be just more and more tools to help you organize things, to help you track things, to let you communicate with your doctor better. I I really see those things, you know, coming down the pike. Karen, you've been very open, obviously, with your own story and sharing sharing so much of that, but but we know that social media isn't for everyone. Some people, you know, don't like sharing personal information publicly and and, um, want more more anonymity. How can people who desire that anonymity connect with others using some of the tools that that we've discussed today? Well, what's great about many of these social media outlets like Facebook is that there's always the private messaging tool as well. Mm-hmm. You know, an email mm-hmm. is always there as well. So it is easy to kind of take an observatory role in these forums. Um, there's a lot of um, online support groups that you can log in and create an anonymous name um, so that you don't have to put everything out there if you don't want to identify yourself, but you really just want to talk to someone. Um, you can do it in an anonymous way. And most bloggers who are out there, there's so many out there that are so willing to share their experience, and most of them do have an email address on there that you can contact them privately if you don't want to post a response to one of their blogs and you want to just kind of keep that private, intimate conversation. Because oftentimes, especially when patients are seeking out other patients, it's to talk about things that we may not even be comfortable with talking with our medical team about, you know, sexuality issues or fertility, especially being a young adult, just not knowing how to fit in anymore when everyone around you is starting new careers or having babies or, you know, these are very intimate social issues. Um, Yeah. So I can completely understand that people would want to have more anonymity. and, And sometimes I... You know, I look back and think, wow, I really put it all out there. Um, <laughs> and any, any regrets on that? Difficult. What's that? Any regrets on that? Not regrets, but um, it does put a little pressure sometimes. And I think it's a good pressure um, to make sure that I'm 
I think from the very beginning, I made a commitment to say, you know, hey, here I am. I'm going to be very open about this and, you know, take it or leave it because I, I figured if I was going to blog about this experience, I wanted other patients to see really what it's like, the good and the bad and the the potty talk and, the, you know, the things that yeah. you go through that people are afraid to talk about. So, um, you know, hopefully people can, can connect with that. I know I certainly have by reading other people's blogs. Um, so I, I think there are ways to um, use social media in a more, as I said, like observatory role, just kind of reading what people are posting and reading mm-hmm. what organizations are posting about. And then maybe you'll find something that more comfortable in as far as a support group, maybe in person is easier for some people, but these online communities provide resources to be able to find out what's going on out there um, so that yeah. you can latch on to the cause that, you know, you feel comfortable with. And it could just be one post or one resource or one that really sparks somebody to maybe find something that they were looking for yeah, or that they yeah. didn't even know that they needed perhaps. Right, exactly. They might not know that there's, you know, I think it was um, you cancer support uh, community recently um, put together a conference about cancer and careers and, you know, yep. all everything that's involved with that. And you might not even think that about those issues, but it's things that come up and you want to make sure that your rights are protected and that your job is protected and how do you navigate all the insurance and all of those pieces. Um, yeah. But social media is a great way to find out about these free events or online, you know, chats that can help with those type of questions. That's right. That's right. Well, this has been a great show. I, I want to thank you both for joining and sharing in such a valuable conversation. I want to thank you for the work that you're both doing and the outreach that you're doing to others. Um, uh, you know, Heidi, we're certainly, you know, proud partners um, with Livestrong and, and applaud the work that you're doing daily for people touched by cancer and certainly carrying your decision to share your experiences so publicly is, is, a, is a brave one and, and surely will help uh, help people in, uh, um, in similar situations. So I really appreciate you both being here. Uh, just a reminder, the cancer support community provides social and emotional support for people affected by cancer of all ages. We've got support online through social media. We also have 57 licensed affiliates around the country where we're providing support groups, education, uh, nutrition, exercise, free for people with all cancers, also for their family members and loved ones. You can visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org, or you can call us at 888-793-9355. Karen, we'd like to dedicate the show to you today. Um, we want to we want to send best wishes to you for the continued success of your uh, clinical trial treatment program, and, and we're we're behind you uh, every step of the way, and we'll keep keep our eyes on your blog, eyes peeled away, um, to, to to follow your journey, and and we send uh, we send good wishes to you. Thank um, you so much. Appreciate that. And I, I really am grateful uh, to both of you for being on our show today, frankly speaking, about cancer. And, uh, again, if you're looking for free support services, visit us at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org.
Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices. I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you a breakaway from cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. <laughs> 